to you direct from Briz Vegas, Australia. We are four music fans who have agreed to disagree on just about everything in popular music. I'm Lord Ben, Lord of the Lords, your humble host, and a real-life meatloaf fan. I'm joined by my three bats out of hell, Lord Brett, your own Kenny G, and your long-haired lover from Coochie Mudlow, Lord Al, the Enigma. He loves the obscure, but won't deny the heavy metal youth in his closet, and Lord Kev, still keeping up that fake Irish accent, if only to deride anything that ever sold more than five copies. Lords of Loud. And welcome back to the Lords of Loud for episode 87 of the Lords of Loud. And we've got a very, very special episode tonight. Uh, tonight we're paying tribute to the great drummer from the Stones, Charlie Watts, who passed away recently. And uh, at the age of 87, funnily enough, just for us. No, <laughs> he died at the age of 80. Yeah, look, look at you if you're out there, you know, in, in rock That's world. And looking at Keep on your toes. Um, but funnily enough, for me, I always thought he was the oldest member of the Stones because he always looked the oldest. And, mm. of course, he wasn't. Yeah. Bill Wyman is 84 yeah. and uh, not the oldest. So Charlie was never the oldest member of the Stones, crazily. Yeah. Um, but obviously had a fantastic career, uh, all the love from the Lords to his family and extended family. The Stones, of course, big fans of the show. Uh, that's right. I'll mm. be listening yeah. tonight for this tribute. Uh, but that's... Uh, shout, out, shout out to Mick as well. Shout out yeah, to Mick. That's right. Mick as well. Yeah, sorry. Not quite a fan of Charlie's, but still a <laughs> fan of the show. So we've got to that's right. shout out to Mick. Um, but, yeah, so we're going to do a bit of a tribute to Charlie tonight. Uh, before we do that, of course, we have to do our way more popular episode than Tribute to Charlie, which is Album of the Week. And I believe, Lord Kev, uh, you have again? Album of the Week this week. Again? <laughs> have, you, have you ever done Album of the Week, Kev? I'm trying to just <laughs> flash him back. I think you've done a couple, but, yeah. You're on yeah, I've, I've hijacked it a wee bit at the moment. Um, I'm not sure who or why, but um, I'm just going to go for it anyway. And, and Alan's going to be delighted to know I'm going to find a way to break the brief on album of the week here, so oh wow, stand by for that. Um, single of the week, <laughs> not quite. No, you'll, you'll you'll know it when you see it. Um, <laughs> so this is another Oz punk classic. We're going to go with Emo and the Sniffers. They're um, <laughs> two thousand and nineteen. Uh, Everybody's favourite. Everyone's, everyone's, everyone's favourite party band. Um, fantastic um, uh, group from Melbourne. Um, their, their debut album, Emo and the Sniffles, um, uh, 2019, um, and it's a it's a it's a it's a little gem. There's just some great tracks on there. It's it's got one of our. I mean, we had a lot of fun with the chats going through the the track listing, and um, yeah. they've got you know some more great punk titles such as "Some Mutts Can't Be Muzzled" and um, "Gacked on Anger," which is just. Um, yes. Just a great title. Never mind anything else. Um, live, I've seen them. Luckily enough to see them live. Um, and Amy herself is a force of nature. She's only five foot something, and um, she doesn't stop moving. She's just hilarious. Um, great, great show. Uh, I think the best thing to do is probably break the brief here and uh, play something from their upcoming albums due out next week. Um, this is uh, their new single. Guided by angels, um, and it will give you a good flavour of what they're all about. I'm super excited to hear that second album come through, um, so that's why I can't resist um, playing you a little bit of this to give you a flavour of 
who they are going to be. Um, but if you uh, want to find out who they've been, check out the uh, eponymous first album. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm confused, yeah. but let's hear Guided by Angels <laughs> by Amy and the Sniffers. Amel. Sorry, Amel and the Sniffers. <laughs> Melodic stuff there from Amel and the Sniffers. And she, and and, uh, check those guys out. Yeah. Well, she's obviously guided by angels, right? That was heavenly. Yeah. Mm. Sweet. Got sweet, through, uh, sweet. Got voice. through about ninety percent yeah. of that track as well, which is <laughs> <laughs> they don't mess around in and out. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think I think um, be well worth checking out a few videos just to get a sense of the visual, like of what these guys look like when they're performing. There's a lot of mullets. There's yes. a lot of bleep on here. Yeah, you can just go down to your local CES and they're probably there performing <laughs> any uh, Thursday. That's right. All right. The chance to see them. That's what I'd say. That's right. So uh, thank you very much for that, Lord Kev. And, yes, go out and check out the new album, which comes out. Uh, that's, you're saying that's a leading single from... It is, yeah. Up. Yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the break the brief, sorry, Alan, type of moment. It's um, yep. coming out right. next week, so we're... We're on, we're on the edge of our seats as a unit. Beautiful. Am I right? So, <laughs> well, right. well, look, I'll, I'll allow it because I've just, I'm just I'm watching the video on mute. Because he's not paying um, attention. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm listening as well. That's that's it, why. He's just not like, I'm a, I can see all the visuals of of mm-hmm. the Amel, and that is a uh, that's a killer mullet that she's yep. she's so displaying. Yes, so yes I'll, I'll let it I'll, I'll let it slide. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yes. Do yourself a favour, check out their new album released next week from Amel and the Sniffers. But let's move on to tonight's main topic, and that is a beautiful uh, tribute to the great Charlie Watts, who passed away recently uh, from a band you might have heard of, the Rolling Stones. And I'll pass over to Lord Brett, who is a massive Stones fan. Obviously, we couldn't have anyone else do this. That's right to lay down the groundwork for why Charlie Watts was the greatest drummer in the Stones. <laughs> and it's <laughs> the greatest drummer in the Stones. He was the greatest That's right. Hey, um, so what's really interesting, I guess, is there are some similarities between uh, a drummer like Charlie Watts and, um, and Ringo. <coughs> Bullshit. Um, Hang on, hang on. Let me let me finish, Lord Ben. Sorry, there's a bit of COVID. There's a bit of COVID coming through there. Right. Ringo dead as well. 
No, no, no. Now, I, I think um, uh, uh, maybe more in the personality style. Uh, could, mm. if, if Charlie Watts had been some massive personality uh, and, and a massive ego, could he have ever survived in a, in a band that already was full of egos to start with? Um, unlike, unlike Ringo, uh, he did manage to sit quietly behind the band for uh, the entire, their entire career. Uh, he, he managed to sidestep most of the alcohol and drugs bit. He did go through some rough periods, but generally never, never as bad as, uh, as potentially Mr. Keith Richards. Um, the no, other interesting thing too was that never a world record holder like Keith Richards. No, that's exactly right. Um, and uh, uh, and he married uh, uh, a girl early on, and and that was his wife until the end. And I don't think uh, many of the Stones managed uh, uh, to do that. Um, well, so certainly really, not that particular one. Well, many many of exactly them don't, right. Many of them don't even remember their first wives. <laughs> <laughs> So it's really it's really interesting to see some similarities. Now, yes, I I, I don't think uh, uh, Charlie was ever as inventive as Ringo was. Charlie was just a solid drummer, uh, and so most of most of the pieces I've picked up uh, and, and going to play tonight and be interesting to get you your feedback on. It's some really solid drumming, and maybe that's what they needed. And let, let's face it, the Stones are the Stones. You know, they, they they attempted to vary style a little bit, but in the end, this is just an R and B band, right? So, uh, did they really need hashtag um, very much so? Yeah, 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 yeah. Hang on, did, hang did, on. What about emotional rescue? Hey, that is not just a you know your, your little R and B tribute band. Right. So, let's right. just clarify for the listeners that this this little, <laughs> this little love tryst between Lord Brett and Lord Al continues <laughs> for this week. There's something. There's something going on there, listeners. Let's just mm. yeah. look. I, I think. I think Charlie Watts is perfectly positioned to fulfil two of Lord Brett's fondest, uh, fondest um, desires in music, and it's it's your, you know, dinosaur rock with your jazz. You know, <laughs> it's a perfect fusion. Nice, nice. Okay. Between those, so. For, for those who don't know, Charlie was was also a jazz man. I imagine you'll go into that a bit more, uh, Lord Brett. Yeah, yeah. Well, he started as a, he started as a jazz drummer, um, and uh, and and he, he so he I guess he started playing with more famous people than than the rest of them. Um, so in uh, in sixty one, Alexis Corner, uh, who was uh, leader of Blues Incorporated, encouraged him to come on board and drum uh, for that, and then. In '62, that's I guess that's how how as the Stones were starting to to form and hang around the same clubs, that's how he sort of got to to know those guys. Uh, and then in '63, he has his first performance with um, with the Stones. So so uh, what I what I really like about Charlie is he started out his life as a graphic artist. In fact, he was working for Check. advertising. That's right, check. He was he was uh, um, working for advertising companies while he was playing for um, uh, uh, Blues Incorporated, and uh, and he, and he provided some uh, graphics for you know Between the Buttons album, and then in the uh, in the seventies, he even and the eighties he even uh, took part in planning and designing some of the 
the large uh, screen uh, 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 thing to see when you went and saw the Stones play live in, in those yeah. extravagant uh, uh, stadium tours they did in the in the late seventies and, and early eighties. Charlie actually had a had a part in that as well. Yeah, so in the business cards. So <laughs> that's right. A few logos here and there. A few logos here, and that's right. Yeah, I heard yeah. he designed the coasters for the after yeah. parties and stuff as well. That's right. That's so goes. yeah. So so uh, like so many though uh, musicians in the the sixties, there seems to be some link with an art. Art, stu- uh, sorry, an art university, right? They, they, you know, mm, absolutely. Everyone, I think everyone seemed to be at art, art university. Yeah, I think we've talked about in the past. Um, you know, even the Beatles went to art college straight out of school. Certainly, Pink Floyd all met at uh, various art college slash architectural studies, and countless other bands went through an art school approach. And it seemed to be that that at the time when records were sort of thinly available uh, from the West, so to speak, you know, jazz records, blues records, the kind of stuff that was being influential at the time. It seemed like it was only that crowd of people, that art school style of people who could sort of either acquire those records or who into those records. So it did tend to, that period certainly attracted those sort of people who uh, had a like-minded spirit in, uh, yeah, sourcing out some of those deep blues records and things that were coming from America at the time. Yeah. And you so, saw yeah. the music needed a, a new kind of wanker, so. <laughs> That's right. And hence the beat right. was born. Yes. Right. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so interesting to see that, 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 that he shares many traits with, with many other uh, uh, of that, that 60s uh, uh, rock band people coming through. Um, but it is interesting because he is such a uh, a straight to the floor sort of uh, rock drummer to understand that he had this jazz background mm. and that it, that it sort of filters through. But but at, at no point uh, did the Stones ever do jazz, um, much to everyone's really? relief. Apart from that stint in Brisbane, but yeah, <laughs> that's right. Other than that, <laughs> that small one, which which we we but legally we're not allowed to mention that. Sure. Um, yeah. No, you're right. Sorry. Um, but but what's also interesting too, interesting too, is that sort of link between the, the blues and the jazz thing, which probably got him started in Blues Incorporated. So so when, as the Stones sort of go through uh, um, uh, developing away in the seventies, Charlie sort of goes back to his early roots and and puts together a a band um, uh, called Rocket Eighty Eight, which include. Bill Wyman, and also in, included Alexis Corner, who is the first guy, the first guitarist he was playing with. So let's have a little bit of uh, a live performance by uh, Rocket 88, and the song we're going to listen to is Roadhouse Boogie.
Uh, yeah. So also also on piano there is Ian Stewart, who is um, one of the first members of the Rolling Stones, the piano player as well. Yeah. And so, and so what's, what's funny with that, you hear that like um, capacity had, you know, if people talk about, you know, jazz background, but what you get with a jazz drummer is someone who's prepared to sit in the back. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not yeah. about, you don't come in as a rock and roll uh, drummer and say, hey, I'm going to do some fills. It's going to be my time. I'm going to, you know, do some work. Like there's just, there's something of the fact that he was so great to sit in behind these other musicians. Mm. And that's just, you know, it's just a bar, a, a, a blues bass line and he's just channeling it, you know. So and you're saying, you're saying, exactly he's, what he did. Yeah, you're saying he's waiting for his moment, his jazz fill moment. And it never comes. He's jazz solo. No, <laughs> quite, right. yeah, 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 quite, quite, quite the opposite. That um, you know, uh, that that's the training that he had brought into the Stones, and um, wasn't you know about an ego for him. You know, it was about being um, you know that service engine for for the other egos that were out in front of. Him. Well, yeah, I, I think. Sorry, sorry, Al. I was just going to say what people need to remember. Like in, in science, you've got watts. Uh, and watts are a measure of power. You've got megawatts and kilowatts and 1.21 gigawatts. Um, but Charlie watts uh, are a measure of self-control. <laughs> oh, Very, like much. That. Very much. Nice. Nice. Thank you. Very yeah. nice. So, so what's, re- what's really nice about that is you, when you go back to, you know, sort of what brought the stones together and you look at Keith Richards' um, uh, uh, liking, you know, uh, Chuck Berry, you know that really is that whole boogie woogie sound, which is you know Fats Domino based. You you can see the direct link there to Chuck Berry, and so you sort of see now why potentially uh, Charlie Watts ends up in a band that has that sort of boogie woogie, um, uh, you know, but you know uh, uh, initial sounds together. Um, yeah. And again, why why Ian Stewart, who is the piano player, was also a key member in in bringing the the Stones together. Um, now. Now, outside of the Stones, Charlie Watts also, uh, you know, creates the Charlie Watts Orchestra and he, and he does some tours with, um, you know, playing more jazz standards and that. So I guess he always kept that in um, uh, in his pocket and kept playing it when he could. Um, but so interesting because, you know, is the greatest thing about Charlie Watts that he could stay in the band that long? I mean, Bill Wyman couldn't. I'd um, say so, uh, yeah. Yeah, you know, to be able to sit behind those guys. Longevity. Is his yeah, key yeah. achievement, I reckon. Yeah, and and to deal and to deal with those egos, I mean, bloody hell, uh, for so long, sit behind those wankers for for so long. And, and what's he, got interesting- to hit, he got to hit things regularly, so you That's know right. yeah, that probably maybe- helped. Take out that frustration. Yeah, yeah just yeah. a few photos on the on the drum skins. You know, gonna- Works wonders. I know Lord so- L uses a similar technique with his keyboard at work. That's <laughs> right. Smack, smashing that keyboard. Oh, yeah, I've so, off on a lot of things. So. <laughs> we'll just edit that bit out. Um, <laughs> so, so it's interesting his longevity. The other interesting thing is his uh, his health was sort of failing for a while since about two thousand and five, and he used to say every time they stopped touring, he'd get sick. So maybe he should just keep touring. Uh, and and again, he he didn't make the last. He 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 uh, called himself off the last tour, and unfortunately, has passed away in the time. Now, did anyone j- want to jump in here with a with a sixties uh, Charlie Watts special they wanted to play? Oh, oh, I can do that. I can do that. 
Um, I've got one. Yeah, sure. You go. I think I can. uh, I think I can jump in with some, like what a lot of people, I guess, would say is his signature um, beat, which is uh, uh, "Get Off My Cloud." Um, And you know, there's 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 arguments there about the best drum uh, tracks of the '60s, uh, the best drum intros of the '60s. And what I love about this one is you'll hear it going through is. just, just the, the creativity. It was, it was quite a new thing for someone to um, put a fill in the whole way through, make it a little, um, uh, I guess, a different way of playing the drums. And for all we've said about his restraint and his lack of, um, you know, virtuoso style playing, um, here was a beat that hadn't been heard before. So uh, get it right from the start and get to my cloud. I guess I guess that's the thing, you know. I'm I'm certainly uh, uh, no drum expert, um, uh, but some people say, you know, he's just a great solid uh, drummer. He's he's part of the modern drummer hall of fame with uh, you know Ringo Starr, Keith Moon, Steve Gadd, uh, Buddy Rich. So I don't know. Are they just is it just lip service or does he is it okay that he's in there with those greats? No, no, it's not. Absolutely but, is. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely <yeah>. is. Um, <laughs> No, but like, seriously, that's the first time that he does show, and I appreciate that song is a great song, and it is the first time that he does really show that the lead instrument can be the drums. And despite being a, there is actually a fantastic hook in that song as well. So, yeah, yeah. Um, but the drums compete with that hook as the key element of that song. So, full credit there. Good choice, Kev. Nice. So, did so anyone else? Did anyone else have so, a have a sixties piece they wanted to throw in here while we're in that while we're in that era? Well, yeah. well, I had that as well, but you know, Kev stole it. So what can well, I do? I'll, I'll jump in here with um, another classic, Stones classic. Uh, this is Painted Black. Um, I think it's similar similar tones here. So let's go with Painted Black, Stones here. Never to come back 
if I was to say what you get from a couple of those tracks is is that sense that Charlie Watts, despite, you know, people talking about being laid back and offbeat and, you know, just sitting in with the music, he is driving things. You know, he's literally um, whipping these guys in, into tempo. Um, yeah. And, and with the kind of bouncy riffs that he was working with, that's, that's admirable. And, um, you know, <laughs> people talk about how he's not the loudest drummer and, like, a lot of his style was quite quiet and that gave him that ability to just constantly be right on the beat. He's not stretching himself. Um, and for those massive shows that they played later in their career. Yeah, so this thing about being loud is is a bit of a misnomer. Like, you know, Bonham was loud, whatever, you know, considered great, et cetera. And that, that's fine for a particular type of music, but it's not always about being the loudest and the proudest in a, in a band. It's about the finesse you can bring to a band. Um, and what certainly did that having his core uh, inspiration being from that jazz and blues era, you know, for a lot of the time he, you know, he, he didn't want to be in the stones necessarily. Like he, he was, he was holding down a position. He was holding down uh, a role, but his love was often elsewhere in that jazz sphere, particularly. Um, but yeah, a great, great drummer and did, did his job and did the, did the service that he needed for the Stones and, and laid down many great tracks. But I think it's a misnomer to sort of say, well, yeah, he was such a, he was just a very subtle thing in the background and whatever. Drummers often are, you know, like it's, you don't need to be Bonham to yeah. be classed as one of the great drummers. Like you, if you can service the music, and if you can lay down what's needed for the particular song and, and you know, that's that's yeah, and if you're yeah. if you're at, at home, you know, right now listening to this and playing your Lords of Low Drinking game, I reckon you can <laughs> back one for the for the Bonham bashing. It's it's done and taken for another episode. There you go. Um, yeah. You're right, and I couldn't I couldn't agree more. And, and if we think about the difference between three pieces and um, four pieces, and however multiple number of um, instrumentalists um, the Stones got up to at certain points and. Right, you'd have to say there'd be about ten or twelve people on stage at some points in their shows, yeah, you know, with brass and all the rest of it. And there's Charlie all, all day long, you know, just holding it together. Mr. So, I mean, Solid, Mr. Solid was his thing. Yeah, right, yeah, right. yeah. And and I think you're right. And I think um, when you think about uh, the personalities involved, and again, when you go back to Paint It Black, you're also now we're talking about Brian Jones as well. So you've got three massive personalities fighting over who's leading this band. There's no point for someone else, another show pony in there trying to get to the front and be the loudest. You really need someone solid in the engine room, sitting in the back, um, you know, doing what you can. Piece of- I think it amused him. You know, you see photographs of the time, and, and not even all the time, but even later in the career, he's always just got this kind of face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to, to his credit, to his full credit, like he saw this as this is a band, you know, it's a music band. This is a rock band. Yes. Like, this is great. Yeah. And look, I love this. I love these guys, but this is not my life. Like I, you know, I want to go home to my wife. I want to, this is a job for me. You know, we do this yeah. we do it the best we can. Um, you know, we get in there, we do what's needed, tour, et cetera, et cetera. Had a great time, a lot of fun, but let me get home. To my wife, and and that and that that is credit to why he's he was with his wife the whole time during the Stones yeah. period and and whatever. Like he was, this wasn't his. He had there was a lot more aspects to his life 
than just being a Rolling Stones member. And uh, as much as he did a great job for the Stones and an incredible job, you know, over, the, over many, many uh, decades, it was always just a job for him. And, and he had so many other interests outside of, uh, you know, the, the music, the, not the music, but outside the Stones. He had many yeah. musical interests outside the Stones. But he also he was a family man, and he and he loved he loved other many other aspects of life outside of the stones. Yeah, um, yeah, those, 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 yeah, those business cards don't design themselves either. So you know. <laughs> Uh, so, so you said you said it before, like um, how you know he how has he lasted in the stones so long? The other question might be how the stones would have survived if he'd walked him out. So long. Yeah, mm. like yeah, yeah. this was a personality that they absolutely needed. Um, whether they knew it, whether they wrote that down, it was part of the psychological profiling. I don't think so. It just happened that way. It was just lucky. Yeah. How did this band stay so long together? Well, you got the cement. That's right, and I think I think that's right. The driving force in the background, just doing it. Um, one of the, one of the nice stories about Charlie Watts is in the in the late sixties, early seventies, wherever they were all invited to the Playboy Mansion because Hugh have to decided that having the Stones at the Playboy Mansion would be the way to go. And Charlie Watts, who never did that groupie scene, um, he took advantage of Hugh Hefner's games room and played pool all night while the rest <laughs> of the lads are downstairs in the pool with the girls. He's Take upstairs going. Holes. Exactly, yeah. Isn't this a lovely, uh, a lovely pool table I'm playing at? So um, mm. again, yeah. I don't. He just didn't. He wasn't interested in 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 being a rock star. He just want. He was just more interested in in uh, when he had to play playing drums. All right. Indeed. So who has a song they want to play for us now to uh, lead on? So so let's hear hear him playing uh, in um, a Sticky Fingers song. Can't you hear me knocking? This is, I guess, where the the band um, sort of start playing around with some, starting to play with some different styles, uh, and and you can tell me if you think you, there's an influence in in this one, especially in it's more about the jam that happens at the end of this song rather than the front. But let's have a quick listen to "Can't You Hear Me Knocking," and then maybe at some point, Lord Ben, skip through to the jam. Yes, Lord Al, I'll do that for you right now.
Yeah, so it's got a, it's almost got a little bit of Santana sort of feel mm. there at the end, you know, and, and it rides that 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 sort of as you, as you're suggesting, Ben. There's a bit of a jazz thing in there, but yeah, it's also that Santana sort of um, guitar, smooth guitar lead, sort of uh, over a, some sort of uh, a South American beat. Yep. Yeah, very good. Sure. All right, Lord thanks. Al. Thanks, Lord Al. Thanks, Lord Al, for giving us that. Yeah. Did anyone else want to jump in there with the with the song they wanted us to play? I know Lord Al's just gagging. Yeah, come on. Song. His favorite. Well, again, again, it's 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 a song that someone else has already has already grabbed. I have no idea um, what order any of these songs come in. This one, I believe, is from 1974, and it's fingerprint file. However, that's the 70s. I realize we've only just crept forward uh, a few. Uh, years through the 60s. It's going to be a very long episode. We've got multiple decades to get through. <laughs> Can we jump to mid-70s? Or sure. Yeah, go, just, go for it. Okay. okay. Just tell us what you want to hear, Lord Al. So fingerprint file. Okay. And why, and why this song, Lord Al? I liked it. Sure. <laughs> wow. What, okay. I, I think well, the what, thing I is. Think what, I think what you'll the, find, because this the drumming, is a song. It's like, the drumming. That's right. I think what you'll find, though, I chose this song, and this is where <laughs> they're almost – they're almost going for a sly and the family stone sort of uh, feel oh, wow. to it. Yes, that's what I was thinking. So the thing is, with Charlie, it, with it, with Charlie, it was it was hard to find out moments, find standout moments because as as we've been saying, his job was largely just to sit in the pocket. It was very hard. Uh, it was very so, hard. so it's like, look how well he disappears into the sound, you know. Whereas this one, at least, there was it, it looked like something different. Ooh, and my cool. other choice which we'll get to later. It's just something a bit different for him to do. So, Well, let's have a listen to that then, Lord Al. That's a good idea, Lord Brett. So, so there's some nice little tasty little fills. Nothing showy. Yeah. This isn't this isn't no. Keith Moon. This isn't Keith Moon where you where you Definitely take not. thirty seconds to do a fill. It's just yeah. a nice little fill that's sitting under some guitar lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good. Nice. Good, good choice, good. us. No, I'm glad we've established that he's no Keith Moon. That's very good. So, <laughs> and he's no he's no John Bonham either. That's for Lord sure. Kev, Lord Kev, do you want to lead off with something there? I am, yeah, I think the other one I had just to go upset Alan is to go back towards more of a jumping jack flash and um, 
to me, like this is one where I think um, you just hear as a smaller, smaller, smaller size band, um, just how beautifully they're able to just coexist. One of the things I always loved about um, like the Stones was those LA stuff, and um, I love um, was it Exile on Main Street? And there's a great documentary which basically explains that none of the tracks <laughs> that they tried to record or get together in France happened until Charlie and Mick agreed on something. You know, everyone else was down there playing, and it took um, something about the connection between Mick's wrists and then um, Charlie going, "That's all right." I'll actually join in now. Um, that things would actually um, take off, the other players would join in, and I think it says a lot for the groove that that happens in that band. That it's um, really a synergy between, um, yeah, mostly the guitar licks, are the best rhythm guitarist in the world, and 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 Mister Watts there, and he isn't trying to outshine anything. He's just there to support the bounce and the feel, and just put his notes in exactly the right place. So, I mean, again, it just comes back to that that groove that he's got, that sort of that ability that Ringo Starr has as well, you know, just to, to find exactly where he needs to be in the song. There we go. That's one for me. Yeah, very good. And I think, I, I think too, um, uh, you know, another similarity between uh, Charlie and, and Ringo is it's a, it's a small kit, you know. Again, it's not a Keith yeah. Moon... Fifty-piece kit with a with a gong yeah. behind you. Uh, he yeah. had one one tom for most of his playing career, um, yes. other than the floor tom. Uh, so mm. so so it's almost like it's an economical kit and an economical player. You know, you, you can't be a big ego if you're just gonna you're gonna go. Okay, I only need a couple of symbols. You know, and that's about it. Yeah, you're um, not there's, you're there's not a, something in there. That's right. You're not a Neil Pert. From Rush with you know 153 uh, <laughs> drum placements in your setup, yeah. you know, with various uh, tunings that you can access to service the songs. Okay. Yeah. Alternatively, he could be cheap or lazy. There you go. <laughs> so, great take. Hot yeah. take there from Wardell. Yeah. You know, people um, think genius, but right. I can see. I can see the human behind the drummer. Right. Economical and, and, or just bored? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> so well, who wants jump. to lug all that? Who wants to lug all that gear around anyway? Right? Exactly. exactly. Who wants? Now to that you can pack in a mini, you know. Yeah. Boom. You set. I'm going to come in here with some of his jazz stylings. Nice. Uh, this is molasses. 
This is live on Danish radio. Um, so let's hear a bit of this molasses from his band at the time. Wish I could remember it, but it's there's about 4,000 members. Um, <laughs> but I can guarantee you he's on drums. And uh, this is molasses. And what's interesting too is, as a young uh, jazz drummer, chances are he played the charts, right? Which says, oh, yeah. "This is when you. This is what the thing is. This is when you hit that. This is when you hit that. Here's your, you know, two bar fill, and that's all you get. You don't play anything yeah. else but that." So I wonder how much that influenced him as yeah. a drummer. And you know, playing right. from charts as a youngster, that was like, mm. no, no, no. This is what you do. You don't. Yeah. It's not flashy time. No, but I think because you can't imagine, you can't imagine a. a you know, a, a Keith Moon playing to a chart, buddy hell, that would God be man. so stifling for Jesus him. Jesus Christ. He'd punch you out if you mentioned chart. <laughs> no, but for Watts, it was, uh, yeah, you're right. Laziness. You're, abso- you're absolutely right, but I, I feel like he would have struggled in those years where they tried to push that envelope a little bit and yeah. maybe he asked for, <laughs> you know, like you say, where's the charts? And they couldn't provide right. it and he maybe wasn't able to come on that little journey with them. Yeah, yeah, and and some people would say they should never have gone that journey anyway, right? Mm, mm. <laughs> thinking, thinking I mean, about the, 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 the disco era. The sure. yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. All right. So, Lord Kev, you got you got somewhere else for us to go? I um, I you know what we we've we've had a few from me. I will stand back. I don't have any more to to throw right. up there. Lord um, L, I know Lord you L, one more. Uh, I did have, but I'm not I'm not too sure of it now. If oh. someone else has another one I'd, that, that they think is a good finish, go for that. You know. I'm going to go with song. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm out of great, my depth with the song. What a great way to, so. what a great way to end the segment. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, no, everyone's yeah. just calling it off. Yeah, well, whatever. No, no, no. Look, there, I mean, there is another song, and the reason I like it, it's because of the drums. Um, then play but, it. Yeah, apart, play apart it. from that, you know. Well, play it. Let's play yeah. it because it, well, it's, it's, it's unusual for this. It's unusual for my conception of what the Stones is. So okay. it's uh, undercover brackets of the night. Um, from 1983. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Keep up the street in South America. Sex 
that yeah. was chosen the only track that Charlie didn't play on. But, um, really? Didn't he play on that one? <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> I'm assuming. I'm assuming because he's always been there and he does every everything. <laughs> that surely that would it. have to be I'll Charlie. Leave it in anyway. But again, that's that's a little bit like "Get Off by Cloud," right? Where where that the there's that drum fill, which is actually part of the song. Yeah. Um, so you've actually picked a good one there, Lord L. Well done. Oh, oh thank you, thank you. You're still uh, you're still allowed on the podcast. Well done. Thanks. I feel validated. The love is alive. All right. I'm going to end this now. I've got one more track. Uh, this is "Out of Tears" off the uh, Voodoo Lounge 2000 and no, 2000. What am I saying? 1993, I think the album came out. Um, out of Tears. This is just a lovely slow song to end us tonight. And uh, here we go. Out of Tears. I can scream. Breathe it out. Breathe it in. All this love from within. Again, oh, just a just a lovely a lovely track. Send me off. Send me off. I think that's a that's a good send off for him. It's a nice little steady drum beat, which is what he always held for the Stones. Yeah. Um, well, it's probably yeah. probably a better send off than "Can't You Hear Me Knocking," which implies a dreadful mistake has been made. That is true. That's very true. <laughs> that's very yeah. So um. So why don't why don't all the listeners just raise a glass to uh, yes. to Charlie and the Charlie. and the great drummer he was yep. uh, sitting there behind uh, the egos absolutely doing the, always the most stylish uh, yes. uh, of the stones Certainly the classiest most regal yeah what a great yeah. he's a legend and that's why we're tributing him tonight yeah as much as I like to so, he, so he's him, to Charlie he's, uh, yeah he's to Charlie yeah. And here's to Charlie. 
He's a chill. He's no John, John Bonham, that's for sure. <laughs> Thank God. And uh, on that note, we'll end it there. And uh, please, after we've just made that passionate plea for Charlie, please go on our website and check out our merch. I'm sure within moments we'll have a Charlie Watts right. T-shirt on there. Tribute T-shirt, that's right. Having having that's right. to callously, you know, uh, <laughs> catch out cash on in. Uh, oh, cash, yeah. in cash in on, on his, yeah. uh, you know, his death. But, Demise, uh, yeah. Go on to our website, check out our merch on socials. Tell us your favourite Charlie Watts drum tracks from the Stones or his extended uh, jazz career, which is truthfully much more enjoyable. Um, <laughs> and most importantly, join us next time on the Lords of Lamb. Lords of Loud is recorded at Zip Studios and proudly distributed as part of the Zenith Command Network. 